eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, people, to another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown Preview Style. As we look ahead to this Fiesta Bowl matchup, Michigan TCU. And you know the key has been hard at work. The key has been unlocking the TCU defense for weeks, not days. Not days, people. Weeks the key has been at work. I mean, you were that kid that did extra credit in school, weren't you, Al? You went yeah, I kind of was, Sam. Yeah, if I liked the subject, I did. Now, I didn't spend a lot of time on science, but uh, some of the other subjects, yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, every game, every game, the key has unpacked what TC brought to the table or brings to the table. We're going to debunk some myths out there that you hear from national pundits. Hell, you're even hearing it from TCU. You know what? We stopped B. John Robinson. We stopped the Texas rushing attack. That's yeah, an yeah. indicator of how Michigan is going to come. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Al no. Boyd, all about it. Coming no. up, before we get into it, I'm going to get your questions on because I know you got all kinds of questions for the key. want to remind you, if you like this broadcast, if you like this program, be sure to like the video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. Then go tell all your Wolverine friends about it. Hell, you Buckeyes. Hey, Buckeyes. I've been helping y'all out, right? Been helping y'all out. Tell all your friends about it. Tell Buckeyes can come. Yeah. Buckeyes sure can come. I'll give you a couple Absolutely. tips on how to beat Georgia or how to not get blown out by Georgia. How about that? Come on by. We'll help you out. Right? Of course, if you're listening to this on the podcast channel, be sure to like and subscribe over there. Tell all your friends about it. They can get it wherever they find their podcast. Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. You name it. And, of course, where it all goes down, the way you can really, truly show your love is go over to the MichiganInsider.com. Subscribe right now. While the special is still going on, 50% off an annual subscription available even to you monthly subscribers out there that have been kind of waiting on the fence, trying to figure out whether you want to take the full plunge and be an annual subscriber. Do it right now for 50% off. Only a limited time left, so take advantage of that deal over at the MichiganInsider.com. With that gorgeous board, just first of all, man, Merry Christmas. New Year's right around the corner, and you're getting your fill of Michigan football, all this film that you broke down. Give me your broad strokes, first, of the TCU defense, and then second, of how you think Michigan matches up with the TCU defense. Okay, TCU defense is kind of built for the conference that they play in. The conference that they play in features probably about 90-plus percent of the teams 
run spread concepts virtually every down. I mean, they're they're going to be in 10 personnel, four wide receivers, three wide receivers with a split tight end, empty backfield. So their defense is kind of geared to that, which is smart. That's really probably the way they should play. They play with a three-man line almost 100% of the time. Okay, almost 100% of the time. Uh, and they play with a five across on the back end. So it's a three, three, which is six, and five, which is 11, right? Those five DBs will rotate up in cover two and allow that middle safety to either sink into the box and play the run, number 28. You'll see a bunch of them, right? Or... They may rotate the inside safeties down and let number 28 play deep third. All the blitzing, Sam, is done by the linebackers, the three linebackers, number six, number 57, and number, ooh, I'm not drawing it up right now. Maybe it's 19. I can't remember. But the three linebackers are the three dudes that put the pressure on the quarterback. They will offset to the strong side in a 3-4 look offset to the weak side in a 3-4 look, and they'll rotate a safety down behind or away from the way that they overshift, okay? They will oftentimes take one of those three down linemen and bump him inside to what we call a 4-I. We've talked about this position all season, right? A 4-I is a defensive end who plays in an inside position on your tackle, and they will do that usually away from the tight end side or the multiple receiver side, if there's three receivers, okay? That is their setup. Number 28 is kind of the key to their whole deal. He is going to be a hybrid type player. Play deep third, play in the box as a linebacker type, or cover man-to-man. They will pressure They will send three guys a lot of the time when they pressure. As I said, it'll be with linebackers with scraped dogs and guys coming through the middle and things like that. But you basically always know who the guys are that are blitzing. Uh, But it is very, very good at handling wide receivers, a lot of wide receivers, okay? And uh, not bad at handling split zones and things up front where the configuration of their defense challenges the offense to block all their bodies. What don't they see, Sam? What don't they see? They don't see a lot of heavy groups. Now, they do get some. Baylor did some. Kansas State did a little bit. Texas tried some. But, Sam, there's two to three duo plays out of these groups. They don't see 14. Okay, so they're going to have to – their challenge to me is tailoring that defense to dealing with having to defend multiple gaps. By multiple gaps, I mean bunch formations with three tight ends, wing formations with two tight ends, double wing formations with sometimes four tight ends. This is all the things that Michigan brings to the table and coupled with the ability to occasionally spread you sideline to sideline, because they also have that in their toolbox, too. Michigan is not restricted to condensed formations. They can use their wide receiver formations just as easily and still present a great threat to run the football. So I hope that encapsulated itself. That's as good as I can do. All right, so let, let's 
let's talk about their four I. This is an important position to really talk about because it's been exploited. You might recall me talking about how watching the, the Big 12 championship game, I'm live doing our live broadcast down in Indianapolis and Vance is texting me, texting me like he, like you, I brought Vance to the table because this is this was my routine before they were on these programs. Where Vance now are on these programs, I'm texting with them during the games, right? So you're you're getting what I was getting for for years during games. So Vance was texting me saying, "Sam, they don't have an edge on their defense. Sam, they don't have an edge on their defense." And if you go through the film, Al, they're pinning that guy. They're pinning that four eye. Time said that's the strategy, and to be frank. It's kind of how TCU went. They're spilling everything anyway to number 28. Number 28 is their cleanup man, right? So Hard to block. Yeah. So, Hard so to block. On, on one hand, it feels like the defenses, or I mean, excuse me, the offenses have found something. On the other hand, it feels like that's kind of what TCU is directing you to do. But it's been more problematic toward the end of the season, more problematic versus Baylor. More problematic versus Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. And it really feels like to me, you tell me if I'm wrong, you're the OC, feels like something Michigan can really exploit. Well, it's in their wheelhouse, number one. It's, it's where they're a little more vulnerable is really kind of what Michigan does well. And that's attack the off-tackle gap. Attack the outside with pin and pulls. They allow what we did. So so we're not, we don't sound like we're coming out of left field with this stuff. Went through every single game they played and cherry-picked plays that they showed vulnerabilities to. And the same ones showed up. Mm-hmm. The same play. It didn't matter who the opponent was. The counter-OT play was a good play against TCU, particularly in certain formations. If you looked at the uh, – now, the duo play, it shows up, but because this conference is not a multiple tight end conference, you're not going to see that play as much. That's the good news, but that's the bad news because now they've got to deal with what could be 12 to 15 duo plays that they don't see every single week in a defense that does seem soft on the edges structurally, okay? And the other thing you see a lot are pin and pulls. Now, you see the conventional pin and pulls with the tight end blocking down and, you know, certain guys pulling based on what the front is and all that. But you see a different pin and pull with these guys. A lot of times because they will align their defensive end in, a, in that four-eye position on the weak side, you will see open side pin and pulls, which Michigan does not run. But stay tuned on that one, okay? Right. They will actually – Pin that four and pull either both guards, a guard and a, and a and an H back, or both guards will actually U turn off a counter action and they'll pin that four and run the ball around the edge. Now a couple teams did that. Uh, I call it a U turn horn play. Uh, it was run from Baylor and Kansas State. I think they stole the play once they saw how much success they had on it. But that was a play that showed up quite a bit. Your basic wing horns, where we call it, I call them quad horns, because you got one more gap they got to defend. That showed up a couple times. That that uh, uh, Baylor, who was successful running, probably more successful running the ball on them than anybody was. They showed that play. Uh, the base horn play was run, I believe, by uh, Oklahoma State. They ran it. 
it was it looked good and a play that I, I, that Michigan has, but doesn't feature as much in their run repertoire is a stretch play. But the stretch play against Baylor was money. They ran that play and they struggled stopping it. So there are some things that look vulnerable that Michigan does well. And I'm sure, at least in part, some of these things we're talking about are going to be heavily featured in the game plan. So a, a couple of things kind of stand out to me. Number one, you you talk about the, what did you call it? The U-turn play. The right? U-turn play, yeah. It takes advantage of a, of a, of a fast-flowing defense, of a triggering defense. A, a U-turn horn play or pin and pull. Al calls pin and pulls horn play. So horn plays, yeah. So, just a quicker way to say it, Sam. It's just a quicker way to say it. It's not in Michigan's playbook, at least as far as we know. We haven't seen Michigan do that. But we did see them do a U-turn counter. Yes. Remember that? Remember that? And, and yes. for much the same reason. I talked about this when we were on with Vance. You remember we were talking about the Iowa game and – I was reflecting upon the big the Big Ten championship game and said Iowa triggers hard on counter. They blowing the hell out of the counter in that game. Gaddis was able to get them later in the in the contest. I think he might have RPO'd it or something. I can't remember. Or maybe it was a flea flicker. I can't remember what flea it was. Flick. Yeah, it was a flea, flea flicker. Flick. Yeah. Right. Right. So he set it up. Michigan coming off of that, you had to know Iowa is going to trigger hard on the counter. Al, it was the first freaking series. They gave him a counter look. You turn the pullers, and it's a it's a convoy to the end zone. Ronnie Bell doesn't even get touched. It's going to be in Arsenal, man. If I know Sharon, and I know Sharon, it's going to be in Arsenal, man. Especially with how successful successful it was for Baylor. Like you, you still think this is the important thing for you as a play caller. I need you to talk us through. Still things that are in your DNA, because you remember you said. That'll be the DNA. It's not going to do what Illinois did, and they tried it, and they got the hell beat out of them. They got the hell. Yeah, it can't. You can't. You can't depart from your culture and make your kids uncomfortable when you've won 13 games doing something one way. Now, that being said, though, that being said, can you? Is it really that far from your culture? So, if you take something and completely bastardize it, and nobody's ever done it before, your odds of success against a good opponent like TCU probably aren't very good. But if it's in your culture, if you're used to pin and bully, if that's something that you do, maybe there's just a little nuance as to which way you want to run it. But all the rules for the backs the same. All the rules for the line is the same. And you've got, what, three? how long have they had? Three to four weeks to prepare and practice these things? As long as you don't have 10 of those things, and maybe you just have a little, a couple, two or three that add nuance to your attack. I think they're very doable. Every team in the country does that. I mean, every, they will take plays that the opponent has not seen them run on tape, and based on the vulnerability of what they saw in other games, add those plays to the offense. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. But when they do hit, they usually hit big because they have shown vulnerability to that play. Now, you got to decide, Sam, this is the question, the magic question. How much of that do you want to do? Because we know damn well we're running dual plays, right? We know damn well we're running counter plays. That, that's a that discussion is 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 uh, rubber stamped. Okay, we know we're probably running base horn plays, right? Probably certain games more than others, right? Um, now, how much of our time are we going to spend on nuance on stuff that may be common, not necessarily common to us, but just little variations of something we already do? And 
that's up to the coordinators. They got to say, okay, guys, are we going to, you know, because when push comes to shove, you're going to go back to the womb anyway. You're going to do what you do best. But sometimes those little deals, those little plays I have found, particularly if the opponent has not seen you run them, can be very effective. They're inviting it, though, Al. They're inviting it. They're, they're, they're telling they're telling Michigan, please run. Please run some, some pin and pulls to the open side. Please do it. Now, what are the odds, though? I ask you this. What about TCU departing from what is convention for them? You know, what we saw on film was typically, like you said, they go to a four-eye opposite the tight end. They would shift to that. There would be a shift involved. Right. More often than not, yes. The, the reason why we don't typically see that is because you can't typically with, with the regular alignment, when they aren't in a four-eye, if it's a, if it's a five, for instance, you can't pin that guy. You can't mm-hmm. pin that guy. Four-eye, easier to pin him, especially if you give him some flow action the other way. What are the odds that TCU knowing that says, you know what, we're gonna we're not gonna put ourselves in that position too often against this team and kind of abandon that shift, kind of abandon playing with a four eye. Do you you think there's a good chance of that? that they kind of get outside of what they do typically understanding that it kind of invites Michigan to run it run them run them over to the other side? I think that would be more of a counterpunch. I don't think I think they would start with the idea that they're going to play their defense as they've played their defense. The only uh, caveat to that, and this really is is arguable whether it's even a caveat, is they'll still play their four eyes, okay? They'll still play their overshifted linebackers. They'll still play their three-man lines, and they'll still play their five across. But they will add defenders to the box. They will call the, in my opinion, and I, you know, I could be wrong on this, but they will add defenders to the box to stop the run, particularly when they're forced to defend more gaps. And what we found when we watched the video, and you and I watched this yesterday for a long time, that when they, we did find teams that played with multiple tight ends, and there weren't a hell of a lot of them, but there were some, that those safeties were inside umpire depth. What's that mean? Wherever that umpire lines up, they were inside that umpire. That means they're all on the screen, Sam. You don't need a, a wide-angle lens to take this shot. They're right in front of you. So I think what you're going to see is add-in defenders before you see bastardized alignments that they haven't used before. Well, here's what I can say. Their corners are really good. All Vic 12. One is the Thorpe Award winner. Uh, what's the young man? Travius Hodges Tomlinson. Not a big guy. Don't always judge the book by his cover. He's physical, Al. Good open field tackler. And is willing to take on a lineman. He had to take on a Michigan-type lineman, though. Number 28. You pointed him out, Al. We talked about him with Vance. He is not one of the guys that they list. He's not the all-conference guy. No. But but clearly, he is, I don't know what they call him, the star, the buck, the, the, the man. He's the man in the run game for that defense because they spill everything to him. So... You're going to see some one-on-one opportunities for Donovan Edwards probably on that guy where you got to make a play on him, Donovan, or he makes a play on you and made the best man win. Vance was saying, if I'm Michigan, I'm adding to my arsenal, chipping that guy, especially because I'd rather have matchups with, with corners than safeties. Is that bastardizing what they do to add, add that to the lineup? Or how would you attack, how would you approach number 28 in this game 
oh, I would make him play run and pass. That's the key, is get into some of those condensed formations and pound their ass, pound their ass, and then like they did against Purdue, come off of that same look and take something down the field and make him play both dimensions. Because as soon as they know you can throw the ball and takes bites out of their ass throwing it like they did against Purdue, like they did against Ohio State, all of a sudden that guy's making less tackles. Or he's making them further from the line of scrimmage and giving your back the opportunity to maneuver. The only issues you're going to run into is if he's making tackles on the line of scrimmage. If he is creeping up one more step every time he doesn't feel threatened. As soon as he feels threatened and feels the sting, feels the sting of playing tight, that means a ball going over his head for a big body yardage. Then all of a sudden, he gets looser, he gets looser, and before you know it, Donovan breaks a long one on him, or somebody does. A play action, seam, or wheel to Coast and Loveland now. They got to hit with – I mean, you can – because he sniffs run. He sniffs run hard. I'm talking about number 28 now. He sniffs run hard. I think there's going to be a downfield opportunity to Coast and Loveland specifically in this game. We've seen the last two games, there was a shot play to Coast and Loveland. And he delivered a couple of couple of touchdowns on it. I think that's going to be available in this game. Yeah, I think Loveland and uh, Schoenmacher have to be a major factor in the passing game. And, I mean – in taking big bites out of the defense. Now, now school, he, he does a little of both. I mean, he'll, he'll catch those short routes. He'll do it all down and that's all cool. That's good. But I think they have to be a factor off coming off of play action passes, coming off of stay naked plays, something that allows J, uh, JJ to sit in that pocket and take the ball down the field on. Cause once they're able to do that, the whole game opens up. Now the whole thing opens up. But expect this, and don't be surprised if you see this. It may be like a lot of the other games. The first half may be, oh, God, what God, God, we just can't aren't scoring up. The game's too close, you know, something happens. We didn't had to kick another field going right there. This is the type of game as much as any game. It may be the second half before you start to see the wear and tear on the defense because the ball's being run at them. A team that has not seen anybody this year that is that stubborn about running the football. Yeah, uh, Steven, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to ask a lot of questions. But Steve Van Kuken says, sounds like they have a safety instead of a linebacker, which is that's what, exactly. Uh, doesn't that make them light and vulnerable to power football? Yes. But that's our point. But, but don't let that take away from your opinion at number 28. I mean, he he's as physical as a linebacker. He may not be as big as a linebacker, He's as physical as a linebacker, Allen, is a very short tackler. I, I wouldn't minimize, you know, his, his ability based on size. I think that dude, that dude is a, a guy as a, as a coordinator I would think you, Al, would have to account for. Yeah, and remember now, he's the guy that's hardest to block. So he's going to be around the ball. He should be around the ball more than most of the guys. And they've got, as I said earlier, they've got to play a numbers game. They have got to add numbers to stop the Michigan run. He's the logical candidate, among others, but he's the logical, the most logical candidate to be that extra number. So he's going to make some tackles, or he's going to be around the ball to try and make tackles, okay? And it's going to be incumbent on Michigan to see to it 
that they loosen him up or beat him or beat him once the play gets started. Now, they have shown an ability to do that the entire season, and they will continue to. But the, what I did notice, and when we watch, when we watch, if you watch TCU play every game, they hit you, they run, they flow, and they play hard. They do. And I would never – I don't see anybody loafing. I think they have a great feel for what their package is all about, what they want to get accomplished. I think the message has been sent to them on how they want to play, and they'll be challenging. But structurally, is the cha- the greatest challenge for them is structurally, can they hold up against a pure muscle team that's not going to throw the ball 35 times or play 10 personnel 60 snaps a game? Which is what they saw in, in the Big 12. Uh, again, I I got to say, their resiliency, you know, their, their ability to step up and, and make a stop when they need to, that stuck out to me. Now, look, they they gave up big plays, and so when I say resiliency, they they would they would bounce back. I mean, this is not comparable to to Michigan when you talk about how stifling their defense has been. I guess, relatively speaking, in in the Big Twelve, they've been pretty good, but they've given up a lot of big plays. They've given up a lot of points, mm-hmm. and so I think there are going to be some some of those available for Michigan in this game. But I agree with you, Al. Watching the games with you, watching the games with Vance, I think Michigan is going to, to use your word, pound their ass because I don't think that they've seen anything like it. So let's dig into the Texas because you and I, we sat and watched the Texas game, and that keeps being a point of reference mainly because B. John Robinson is supposed to be the best back in the country. He may be physically the most talented back in the country. I don't think he's a better back than Blake Quorum. I think Blake Quorum has better vision. Uh, I think he's similar to Donovan in that he he looks for the home run and can get it, but they they're just not as physical and they not they're not as determined a run team talking about Texas as Michigan is. There is no question. I think I think Texas wants to do a lot of stuff, you know, and and that's the nature of their offense, and that's how they choose to move the ball. But Tex to be a good running team, and this can be your greatest. Best friend and worst enemy is you have to be hard-headed. You have to be a guy that says just because they stop us a time or two, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying, okay? Texas isn't that type of team. They're, they're, they, if they're not going to pound you on 14 dual plays. They're not going to do it. They have it in their offense. But are they going to call it like Michigan's going to call it? No way. Do they have a power play? Hell, yeah, they got a power play. We saw it. It went bad. They ran it once. Okay, they ran it once. Michigan, if they find a little crack in your armor, they are going after it. And they aren't going to give up just because one time they attacked it, it didn't work. You may see that same thing in the second half run 15 times when you may have only saw it early once or twice. They'll go back and make you prove you can stop their bread and butter. I did not see that mentality in Texas. Yeah. They don't have to to Chris Hout's point. Texas's line is not U of M's line, and C- Steve Sarkeesian is not Jim Harbaugh with his how determined he is to establish a physical tone in the game. I think people get fooled out because he was at Alabama at all. You know, this is, he's bringing that Bama style to Texas. I, I think Sarkeesian's style was reined in by Nick Saban. Yeah, I, now, I would... now he's able to do what he wants to do at Texas. 
Exactly. I, I would completely agree with that. Now, I do see some of the same plays, but I don't see the f- frequency of finesse plays at Alabama that I see at Texas. I think there's a lot of trick and dick in Texas, a lot of it good stuff, a lot of stuff that, oh, man, you fun. it's a blast to tell us straight, okay? But uh, the persistent, I'm going to kick your ass, you know, I'm coming downhill and we're going to, you know, you may beat us. But if you're going to beat us throwing our haymakers, you know, I don't see that thinking. I see more variation, diversity, you know, all that. And guys can win like that. But this team we're playing here, the TCU, didn't see that from Texas. They're about to see it. Dude, just look at the stats in the game, right? So B. John Robinson, I think he would have had like 30 or something yards, something like that. They ran him 12 times in the game in a one position. He's supposed to be his best back in the country, right? That means he's your best football player. This is your quarterback's first game back from injury. You throw it 39 times in a one-possession game and run it 12 with the best back in the country. Now, you just said the key thing. Wait, slow down. In a what possession game? One possession. Now, see, I could see 39 throws if you're trying to catch up, right? That's happened to me before as a coordinator. Oh, God, you threw 42 times ago. Hell, yes, we were down three touchdowns, you know? But in a one-possession game that he only carried the ball how many times? Twelve times. Twelve times, yeah. See, that tells you something right there. That tells you that they're not bent on running him. They love him. They'll hand it to him. He'll get some tries. But will he ever get into the rhythm that Blake Corum got into or that Donovan Edwards got into? I don't I don't think so. Not unless they're winning the game by a lot and they're needed to run the clock out. Yeah, man, and, and- – Two of the runs, think about this. So they ran two duo plays in there, at least to my recollection. And they only ran those because they were backed up to the end zone now. And they ran them crappy. They ran them crappy. It's like, I mean, you're watching it. They're mistargeted. Linemen are mistargeted. And the running back's not reading it right. It's like, it's a play for them. But they run the play, but they don't run the play. Yes, like, they don't so run there, the play. There, there's a clear difference between that now. Do you? you I, I like run every play in the world, but I've they run them all good. And when you when to run a play like the duo or run a play like the power, or, you know, run the counter. You it's got to be your culture. It's got to be something that you're running, and and you're not discouraged by failure. You know what I mean? You know that okay, they stopped this once. So what? Let's call it again. And there may be a game you come out of it and you say, oh, God, we never did get going. But you'll never be any good running the ball if you start taking a defeatist attitude as soon as they stop it a couple times. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
we're gonna I'm gonna have you build a game plan at the end. Uh and with an emphasis on the run game plan, because you actually Al Borges sat down and literally built the run game plan from watching what other teams did. So we're gonna bring that to you a little bit later on. If you have questions for Al, start lining them up now. I'm gonna actually put a put a little prompt in the uh in the comments here. If you have questions for Al. Uh, put them in the comments, and I'll be sure to ask as many of them as uh, as time permits. Uh, but as we got toward the end, Baylor and Kansas State, again, these were teams that were able to – they were able to get some things in the run game against TCU. Here's my question that I need you to dissect. Was it Was it just scheming, Al? And I don't mean to minimize that. Or did they physically push them around? Uh, because with, with Michigan, I think you get both. I think you get scheming and physicality. But I'm curious, what was the what were the the, the threads? Where was it? Was there a common thread for Baylor and and uh, and Kansas State in the Big Twelve Championship game with the rush success they had versus uh, TCU at the end of the season? Well, a couple of uh, I think uh, Kansas State kind of stole some of Baylor's offense they stole a little bit of their game plan because a couple plays showed up to Baylor had run now Baylor is another team they will run oh my god you talk about a lot of gadgetry there's a lot of tomfoolery in their in their run game and their pass game but the thing I'll say for them that said is you pulled up a stat yesterday I think Baylor rushed for 183 yards a game okay that's not bad that's good that's good respectable rushing that's making you play the run I mean it's not imposing but it is pretty good. But in that game, they rushed for 240-something. You can find that number. But it was significantly more than they rushed for the entire season against what is probably the best team in the conference. One of the top, what as as it sits there, one of the top four teams in the country. Now, I got to believe there was some scheming done there to be able to do that against them, they understood TCU's defense and attacked it accordingly. Otherwise, they would not have put those kind of numbers up when they don't even do that on an average, right? So uh, I think what they did more was scheme than pushing them off the ball. I will say that, okay? Jay said all we need is some dookie-dookie and it's over. Well, you got to have some dookie-dookie, Sam. That's all that's a given. Get that thing out there, get in the perimeter, start doing some shakes, dookie-dookie. And sometimes you get a little zzzz with some doogie doogie, it's over. And and we got just the guy to do it. All right. So what about JJ? What about JJ in this game? Because this kind of encapsulates a bunch of different questions. JJ is a run threat. We know they have to have more confidence in him now, throwing the football down the football field. As much as they say they were holding back some of those some of that play action passing game for the end of the season, I I happen to think that some of it was building up that trust factor. You got Blake Quorum. You're you're a play caller, Al. You trust Blake implicitly, right? You trust that offensive line real easy to lean on. Sharon said as much. It's kind of hard to go away from that when it's working all the time, right? Well, mm-hmm. you get to that Ohio State game, you don't have a choice but mm-hmm. trust the young fella a little more. And he he showed he himself to be worthy of that trust. I say he all did. that to say he'll take some downfield shots, but I wonder what you think of his, how he'll factor in to the rushing attack, to the run game in this matchup with TC. Well, what's one thing, again, that popped out is the, as we watched game to game, there was 
uh, again, as we said, kind of a common theme. And some of it was, okay, well, the OT counter looked good against Oklahoma, right? Remember, we first rep, first snap we saw, they ripped one off, first play of the game. And then later on, they ran another OT play, and he walked in the end zone from, I don't know, 20-something yards out. Yeah. Well, something that went with that is if the team had a running quarterback, and by that I, I mean a guy capable of running the football. Now, the kid from Kansas is, was really capable of running the football, not to the Denard Robinson level, but pretty good. What they did is build some of these OT plays off and some of these U-turn pin and poles and built the quarterback into them where they would fake one direction and OT the other direction with the quarterback. Well, hell, Sam, we've seen that. We've seen that, right? We've seen J.J. do that about three weeks ago. We telestrated hell. Urban Meyer telestrated that play with J.J. So they know they got that. You got still those horn plays, same type of deal. You can fake one direction, come back with a horn play with a quarterback. So it's easy for all the big guys. Don't have to change anything. But now you can use that plus one factor, that plus one, add that blocker to what we know is going to be a loaded box and build the quarterback into the run with some good misdirection. All right. And here, here's another one, Al, sort of uh, keeping with that offensive uh, you know, philosophy, that, that theme. When you look at uh, you know, the, the, the TCU blitz package, you said it's all coming from from the linebackers what what is it about the the three three five because uh rodriguez rich rodriguez just talked about this he used to say well one of the benefits of it is they don't know where the pressure is coming from you sort of illusion well all the pressure is coming from the linebackers does that make it easier or harder i'm curious what you what you think of that because rodriguez made it sound like it was tougher to prepare for a blitz package out of a three three five you made you made it sound like it might be easier because you know who all the blitzers are going where the blitzers are going to come from. Well, I faced three three five defense coaching with Rocky Long. I coached with Rocky Long for uh, two years at UCLA and two years at San Diego State. I saw the three three five I ever want to see the rest of my life, and coached against Rocky Long at Oregon State and when I was uh, at San Jose State. So I understand this package is uh, Rocky's package is beyond what these guys do much far beyond it. They're a, a pure blitzing team. Rocky, Rocky's back. This team is not, I would not classify as a blitzing team. They are a, a three man line. They don't even play triple stacks that often. They usually play base three, four looks. They use the scrapes, both weak and strong. They'll come through the middle of the defense with two, four eyes, almost like a double legal type blitz. But I would not classify this team as a major blitzing team. They don't. They I I don't remember seeing them in zero. I don't remember basically blitz zero defense. Uh, so, yeah, I think it can be some headaches with where the pressure's coming from. But if they're not really that big a pressure team, I don't see them that is an issue with regard to Michigan. I think Michigan will handle their pressures. Uh, but Michigan's biggest issue is going to be is getting their plays started with those added-in numbers in the run game. That, I think, is a much bigger issue than where the pressure's coming from in this football game. And last one, and again, this is a, as we get to the questions from the people and we sort of prepare you for the game plan that Al's built, and specifically the run game plan. We mentioned pin and pulls. 
we mentioned um, uh, uh, counters, right? We mentioned duos. We didn't mention the other piece of base piece of their run game, split zones. Why? Mm-hmm. Split zones are a little tougher, and you don't see too many of them against them. And as much as I love the split zone, uh, the uh, the bluff zone, off the split zone, all those types of things. But because they're in a 3-4 front, and I, and I want to take this a little bit at a time because there is some intricacies to this, is in a 3-4 front, you're always forced to push your tackle and guard out to the widest guy, okay? And then push your guard and center to the play side linebacker and nose. And then they play a four-eye on the backside, right? We talked about that already, who forces you to engage your backside tackle. He's inside the tackle, right? Yeah, you don't have it. So you're pushing your, your blocking scheme out to the widest. You're pushing your guard and your center to the call side linebacker. You're bringing that guy across to kick out the first guy off the edge, which in many instances could be a safety rolling down. Who's got the inside linebacker? Who's got the weak inside linebacker? That's where your issues come, is you can oftentimes come up short because when you block the play that way, and if I could telestrate this, I could show you more finite, a more finite picture, is the ball is going to come back. It's going to usually get pushed back to the middle of the blocking scheme and into an unblocked weak inside linebacker. So you don't see... Man, I could count on three fingers the amount of split zones I saw in all the games I watched. Where four-man line teams, hell, they're all over the place. I mean, split zones are, are, are run five, six times a game against teams that feature that play. Yeah, everybody everybody runs split zones. So when, when you say, just to encapsulate it, that you don't see very many split zones, I take that different. Then when you say I don't see very many duos, they don't have the personnel. It's not in the DNA of the no, conference. Completely different thinking. Yeah, yeah. This duo requires muscle. Duo requires muscle. Extra tight ends, guys in condensed formation. Split zone, you can be spread sideline to sideline. All you need is some guy to either motion or line up inside the core and come across the formation. You still got the defense relatively spread, so you don't need all those muscle groups to to run split zones. Yeah. So again, outside hitting run plays outside mm-hmm. hitting run plays michigan has them in their repertoire you know you can hit outside with a counter you can hit outside with a pin and pull see some stretch in this game out possibly that was the one thing i put a little asterisk by now i know and this is again you got to be careful too much candy in the candy store sam too much there's a lot of candy in the candy store if you pick every single piece of candy you eat it you get sick so you got to be careful when you go into the candy store, pick what you're going to eat so you don't get sick. So is the stretch a piece of candy I want to eat? Well, it shows up. It shows up. You know, it's easy to fall into that. Hey, man, Baylor's running the stretch play right up there, yin-yang, you know. And we have a stretch play. We've run it. We haven't featured it a ton. But, you know, we certain games run a little more than others. But I would not be surprised because it is in their offense that they don't test the waters on it a little bit. Now, understand, the way the stretch play hit, as soon as I say stretch play, everybody thinks the ball's going to the edge, right? Well, the way the play hit against them, it did not do that. The way it hit against them is they 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 they, they kind of collected the defense and pushed them wide, forced people to run, and came back underneath the play side tackle, but it hit good 
I mean, one time Baylor ran it and the guy walked in the end zone. It wasn't nothing to it. I think their first touchdown. But when the play was run and the play got started, it was always good yardage. So it's a play probably is in the plan, might be tested. If they don't handle it very well, they could make a battlefield decision and say, hey, let's run some more stretches. You know what I mean? There, but it would be a play that you would be more inclined to give up on if it didn't work early than a duo play. We say, I don't care. We're just going to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, don't be surprised if you see one. Uh, but if you, I'm not going to bet on seeing 10. Yeah. All right. Let's keep it. makes sense with them being a fast flow defense. There's a reason why misdirection works. There's a reason why cutting back underneath works. Those T, that, that crew triggers hard on run action. All right. So. Jason Sudeikis. I don't know if this is the Jason Sudeikis or not, but we'll pretend that it is. The that, Jason Sudeikis? That last on himself. I don't know if it is or not. But Who's Jason Sudeikis? Help me. Is this guy somebody famous or what? I don't want to. I don't want to. Al, no, Al, fake it. Fake like you know who Ludacris is, Al. All right? All right. Uh, famous story from Al's book. Ludacris gets on the bus. And he's like, who are you? He's like, man, I'm Ludacris, man. Like, Al, come on, man. You know just say Ted Lasso. You'll know who Jason Sudeikis is. I got you. Go. Okay, good. Slim. Cover my right. ass. Go. Jason Sudeikis says, do you think they'll stay with mostly a 3-3-5 scheme for this game or bring in more linebackers slash linemen to counter Michigan's heavy looks? They'll do what they've done that put them, what are they, 12-1? and Yeah, they're not going to change their defense. They'll, they'll add numbers. They'll add numbers. You'll get people closer, but it's still going to be basically 3-3-5 personnel. All right, Chris House says, uh, Coach Borges, at what point in the game will Michigan take control physically? Boy, that's a good question. I, I think the flow of the game is going to dictate that for the most part. It could be a slow start. So, again, don't any, I don't want a bunch of tears at halftime. Every week, if I'm with some group, I'm watching them get up, play on the road, everybody's got big old alligator tears in their eyes going, oh, when's Michigan going to do this? They're too conservative. And then the second half, they blow them right off the map, Okay. So it could be something that takes place more in the second half. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and understand, too, uh, that uh, TCU's got a good quarterback. So they could, they're going to put some points up somewhere. I mean, as good as Michigan's defense is, they are equipped to stay in the game. So it may take a little longer. But the only thing that matters is that it happens, okay, is that it happens. And, and darn near every single football game's it's happened, and I think in this one, whether it happens early or not, I think it's going to happen eventually. Yeah, I think TCU's uh, offense, defense, their best weapon in this game is Max Duggan. I think he's going to be the best quarterback Michigan has seen this year. I, I think is is C.J. Stroud more talented? Let me qualify my commentary again. C.J. Stroud is more talented. He's a better arm talent. He, his ball placement is superb when he's not under pressure. Uh, he can run a little bit. Don't know why he chooses not to, but he can. So physically, he checks all the boxes. But what Max Duggan has over him is that ball player factor. Uh, yeah, he's a baller. He is. Yeah. He's a baller. And so that yeah. lends itself to this question. You as a play caller, Al. Um, this one comes from, let's see. Here we go, from Steve Steve Sherrick, who says, is How he much famous, you, Sam? No. Okay. <laughs> well, he's probably famous in his own. I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah. He's famous in his own house. Okay. All right. I'm just, I'm just, how much? I want to over a famous guy again. Is, Go ahead. How much of the game plan will be to keep Duggan Robinson, their big time wide receiver, 
on the sideline? Did you was protecting a defense, the defense part of your game plan as a play caller? And do you think that'll be part of Michigan's game plan? I think if they just do what they do, that will happen. But yes, that is the plan. But look at the time of possession, uh, other than I think the Illinois game. I think it was the Illinois game. Look at the time of possession numbers over the, over the course of the season. And almost every game has fallen into that deal, you know, where uh, the other team is on the sideline tapping their foot, waiting to get back on the field because Michigan's either, you know, incrementally driving the ball down the field. And, uh, well, against Ohio State, it was more, you know, they went right to the throat. But for the most part, Michigan's been that kind of team. So I think a lot of the game plan has to be geared. I don't think the the offense has to think that way. You know what I mean? I think the offense has to think, we're going to move the ball on these guys. We're going to do what we got to do to score points. But just by the nature of the way they play, it should keep Dugan and, and, and company off the field. All right. Keep it going. Uh, next one comes from Conman1342. Says, will Michigan be able to throw against this TCU defense? Two physical corners, two all Big 12 corners. One was a Thorpe Award winner. What do you think, Al? Be challenging. These guys can cover. They're good. They're good in the back end. They're going to have to. They're going to have to be precise. Texas couldn't throw the ball worth a darn against them, but there were other teams that did throw it pretty good against them. So it's doable, and Michigan has the weapons to do it, I believe. But I think that the bulk of what they do has got to come off their play action game, Sam. I just do. They're big bites, much like the Ohio State game. I think uh, the, the, their big bites, their big pieces of yardage have to come off their play action game when they're attacking those safeties for, for playing too tight, you know, and, and putting those corners out there one on one and having to, to defend the entire field, which TCU will occasionally vacate that inside. Even though they're not blitzing sometimes, they will still leave the middle open for those receivers to maneuver and not to mention the tight ends too. So I think they can throw the ball on him, but I think their best answer is do it off a play action pass. Yeah. And don't force yourself into a lot of pure pass situations. And that's common sense. Yeah. JJ has just been, uh, you know, play action shots. He has just been, he's really found something. And I think the interesting thing for me watching him is as much as you talk about his footwork and mechanics being inconsistent with those and that being one of the places where you want to see him grow uh, in this offseason, he seems to be pretty, pretty consistent with his mechanics on play action passing. Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny play passes tend to force you, particularly under center, not as much in gun as under center. They've tend to force you to be more methodical with your drop because you have to go through all the gesticulations of the fake and all that stuff, take X amount of steps He's uh, his the structure of his drop seems so much more sound when he's play passing. So I think that helps. I really do. The gun again that can tend to get people want. The problem with the shotgun sometimes is it'll it'll get quarterbacks wandering in the pocket a lot and not be more intent on timing their throws. So you got to be real disciplined when you're in the shotgun about still timing out all your passes. Yeah, and so this is this next one is a is a two-parter um, trying to piece them together, talking about scripting plays, all right? So JMAT277 says, Al, how important is it to come out the gate with the level of disrespect to TCU's defense on our scripted first series or two? Evan Canson follows that up, asking, how many plays did you script to start a game 
and what would your script look like versus TCU? This sort of gets into us building the game plan. And what was what was the strategy involved with script? What were you trying to accomplish with scripting other than obviously scoring? What was the purpose of your script, Al? So can you kind of wrap all that up for us? Yeah, you got to read my book. It's in there. I, I got a whole chapter, damn near, on scripting. Uh, number one, when you script plays, is it, it gives you a chance, first of all, to practice firsthand the, basically the order that you're going to start the game in. And that puts the offense kind of in a comfort zone. Not that you go exactly by the script, but you go close enough to the script that they kind of know what's coming, if you know what I mean. Number two, you can present the defense with a variety of looks and kind of make the defensive coordinator a liar. Now, what's that mean? That means the defensive coordinator the last four weeks has been programming TCU's defense to look for certain plays in different formations, motions, and shifts. Now, what you do in your script is it doesn't mean you don't run those plays, but maybe you use different formations and script and, and shifts or whatever to run the same plays. This defensive players go back to the mention. Now, coach, you said if they were in a three by one, I was going to get this and this. They didn't do that. And they may not even say that, but sometimes they think it and they start lacking. They start uh, not trusting the call coming from the bench because they weren't programmed to see some of the things they've seen. Number three, you get a chance to script who's going to touch the ball. I'm going to make sure in those first 15 plays that Donovan Edwards touches the ball eight times. I'm going to make damn sure that happens, okay? And if I'm trying to call it willy-nilly off my call sheet, that might not happen. Okay, so these are all things. I mean, there's so many other things. Seeing how people adjust to how you look. You get in bunch. You see how they line up to bunch, and you know how to counterpunch. My goodness, they're so far overloaded to bunch because they're looking for the dual play. We can run a counterplay back the other direction. There's only two defenders back there. Things like that. You get an idea to see the back end of their coverage. And when you spread them, when you spread them, they have this look and that look when we're in a three-by-one. All of it's documented. Now you can go to the counterpunch that works with that. So you're basically um, documenting information based on what you've done, trying to surprise your opponent, but not necessarily trick your opponent. Just try and get their cleats out of the ground. What's that mean? Don't let them play with their cleats in the ground where they're, they're locked, they're loaded, and they're yelling, here it comes. You don't want that. You want them to be, okay, check two, check three, check four. You want them talking about how they got to get adjusted to you rather than here comes a duo play. That's what scripting does for you. That and a million other, I could go, I could make a whole show just about this, but that's kind of uh, encapsulates the thinking. All right. All right, Al, we get back to the questions. Did you, did you say how many plays you script? Did you say that? Well, I, I, that's changed over the years, but I finished scripting about 15. What I would do is I'd script about 15 plays, about half of them runs, half of them passes, mixing down in distance, whether thrown on first or second down, making sure that the guys I wanted to touch it touched it. And then I'd usually have two other plays, like 17. And the only reason I'd have 17 is because certain of those 15 plays, certain plays were only going to be run on a certain hash mark. So if I was on the wrong hash mark to call the next play, I would call a different play and then call that play I was going to call when we got the ball back to that hash mark. One more thing, Sam, before we leave the scripting, because I think 
I learned when I learned about scripting back in, uh, I believe it was 1981, 80, 80, 81, uh, no, actually 1979, Sam Weish introduced me to the concept of scripting. It's for first and second down. Okay. It's not for third down. Okay. You don't just call these plays. I'm calling this play, this play. You're not oblivious to what the down and distance is. That would not be smart. You script for first and second down when you know you've always got something ready for a third down situation. Knowing too that when you break the red area, you may not want to run one of the plays in your field area script. You may want to go to a red zone play. So it's not cast in stone, nor does it necessarily follow one after the other. I've called three plays in a row, jumped down to the sixth play, went back to the fourth play. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to follow an exact sequence, but it is basically the plays you practiced, we practiced on Thursday, uh, about 15 to 17 that were done usually by about the middle of the second quarter. You studied on some dudes. Sam Weiss, longtime Bengals coach, Bill Walsh, obviously Hall of Famer, 49ers coach. You you have some outstanding influences, Al Borges, but we already know that because you're the key, right? You're the key. Um, you said that, not me, Sam. The hell. The hell you didn't say that. Yeah, you did. Hey, he even had a background that was a key that he was going to put behind there. You see I'll that? I'll put that key background up sooner or later. All right. Uh, what are you? This from Malachi says, I think RPOs will work really well for the TCU defense. Am I off base? Uh, no, you're not off base. And they would. And some teams have done it. Texas ran some RPOs. Everybody did a little bit. The problem is they're just not Michigan's culture. And and I would guess, and I think, Sam, you'd probably – we'll probably see three or four RPOs before the game's over, but we ain't seeing ten. I I just – I just – I'd be very surprised if they did that. So I think you'll see it. I think they're good. They're great. But uh, Michigan's a team that doesn't want to put all that on the quarterback. They would rather put it on the line and the running back. And when you start doing RPOs, that's a lot of mechanic for the quarterback, Okay. He got to be able to read, run, read, pass, throw accurately, throw off free defenders, make a lot of awkward throws. Teams do that. They do the hell out of it, but they're not Michigan. They don't run the ball like Michigan. They don't do other things that Michigan does so well. So I think uh, you may see a few RPOs, but you won't see a bunch. All right. Moving on down the line, if we get any questions about what would your what would your run menu look like, we'll get back to that. Um, here is one from Andrew. The cornerbacks look solid and pesky. Do we try to abuse their safeties and linebackers in the passing game with our tight ends? Yes, yes, and yes. I agree with everything you said. I, I, I think so. I just, I just, I, I, as good as their corners are, they're good players. They have to be tested. They have to be tested. We have enough good athletes on the on the flank to uh, put them through the paces a little bit. But I do agree that the tight ends have to be a big part of the passing game in this football game real quick al just to kind of uh put you in the other other uh seat for a minute kind of like i did with vance because we're getting a lot of questions about uh tcu's offense against michigan's defense Uh, i mean what would be your your game plan to kind of slow down what they do try to try to contain max duggan a, a bit what did you see when you looked at tcu offense well, they're they can certain games they're really efficient, and he's he's a playmaker and a passer, which is always a pain. But I think the big thing, and and I think Michigan's just done a great job of this all year. No reason why they shouldn't in this game. Keep everything in front of you. 
minimize the damage on any and minimize any damage, I should say, so that you're not giving up big plays. Play the run the way you've been playing the run. And I think the Michigan defense will be fine. They have never they have not shown Sam a consistent vulnerability to anything to me. Now, yeah, you could anecdotal evidence say, oh yeah, they got did this in this game, did it, but has that happened consistently? What can you say? Now, I know in the past it was everybody complained about Coach Brown getting beat on crossing routes, right? And, you know, this and that, something else. And not leaving those corners. But with Mentor, I just don't know if you can point to something, game in and game out, and say they're vulnerable. So I think if they can just play their game, knowing that they're going to make some plays, they got good players on their side. But the damage stays reasonable. Uh, I think the defense will hold up great. And I, I'm thinking that – I think I could be wrong. I'm thinking they're going to get Michael Morris back. Yeah. And he yeah, no, is a difference maker. He is a difference maker. He will – he's good against the run. He's good against the pass. And he's going to cause TCU some problems. Uh, this one from Mike Miller. Al, is it easier, harder, or no different for O-linemen to block defenders in a 3-3 stack who have never faced it before given the variety of attack angles? Yeah, it can be because it's a little unique. But here's the good news is they've had four weeks to practice it. <laughs> it can really be a pain in the butt if you've only got a little bit of time. That's, ooh, man, that's a that's a headache. And I always felt like I knew that defense pretty well because of my exposure. But sometimes me knowing it didn't mean a damn thing. They got to know it. And you're right. The blocking angles can be tougher. There can be some things. But the one thing about Michigan's run game, and I'm going to speak and talk about that in the most part, it's not – they don't reinvent the wheel with the run game. Uh, they run duo plays, which we've talked about at nauseum, where they're basically gapping dudes off. You know, there's the, if it's run right, there's really no place for a 3-3 defense to run through. They run counter plays where you're gapping dudes off. It's, it's hard. They don't run a lot of finesse plays where they're separating blockers all the time and people can leak through gaps. That's not their nature. So I see – I don't see 3-3 being the issue with Michigan that it might be with other teams who run the ball differently. I hope that answered the question. You did. You did. All right. Here's one. QB, QB Coach 9 says, I loved your book, second edition. Uh-huh. Second edition, add play diagrams and an appendix for those who are interested in the deeper details. Thanks and go blue. Well, here's the deal. I'm kind of glad he brought that. That's quarterback Coach 9. Now he knows yeah. the time it is, I guess. Uh, here's the problem is I wrote a book back in 2000 that was all X's and O's was, uh, uh, coaching the West coast quarterback. But they told me this time, I said, when I started the book, I says, do you want to sell the book? Do you want it to sell? I go, I said, yeah, I do. He goes, well, then you're going to have to sell it to men and women. And most women don't like X's and O's. They want stories. They want, you know what I mean? So the, I left X's and O's out of this book. On purpose, and I did more describing rather than diagramming. So, and trying to diagram to people that really knew football and people that may not have known as much football. So, I left the X's and O's out of that book on purpose. That that was that was that was by intent. But next time around, maybe we'll throw a couple in there. I don't know. But if you want to sell it, you better. I was told you better be careful with X's and O's. The people on this show they want X's and O's, man. They, right. they, but you know. If they all promise to buy the book, I'll do it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, Al. So here, here's a, a, a viewer who's been paying attention. Says Robert Dendoffer says, Al also thought Ohio State wouldn't try to change things and copy Illinois. It says, Ohio State should have listened to Al. This is a, a question about you saying TCU won't get too far away from their DNA. Well, we just saw Ohio State do that, Al Borges, right? Well, that's why they got beat, though, as bad yeah, as Yeah, that's they. why they got beat. Yeah, they did. They, you know, Ohio State didn't really change how they played uh, in terms of uh, how they lined up. But it's lined up. They just play a lot more man-to-man, which – is a big change, okay? And at the end of the day, realistically speaking, you played 40 snaps out of 60 of man-to-man defense, and you ain't played anywhere near that in any other game. They did change their defense. It just wasn't a structural change. It was more of a play-caller change. So I don't know. I just think when you've won that many games, you think you got some answers. You know what I mean? And we'll beat these guys doing what we do best. And I'm not going to bastardize our package to just because it's Michigan. I think that's probably how they'll think. That could be bad thinking. Yeah, who knows? Could be good thinking. We'll find out. Dan Briggs, my brother-in-law, he says, Coach, which team boasts the most talented, the more talented quarterback between the teams? No, wait a minute. This, he's your brother-in-law? My brother-in-law. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, man, huge respect. Yeah, we got to have a separate right, talk with him. At Michigan. Daughter's a freshman yeah. at Michigan. Yeah, no, whatever. I'm just, I feel sorry for that guy. You guys probably do family dinners and stuff together, and he can't get away from He was there when, when the Buckeyes got that ass whoop. He was in the studio. Yeah, I'm sure he was, and I'm sure you you let him know, too. Oh, hell yeah. Now, uh, uh, I forgot the question. What was it now? Give me that, you got to give me that which, one again. Which team boasts the more talented QB between these teams? Well, the better, to me, J.J. Uh, McCarthy is first-round draft picked out. <laughs> Yes. Now, now, Harry's numbers? No, no, it's, they're, they're not yet. But uh, Dugan is a guy that had to re-earn his job, but he did, he did, and he and he's they, they have flourished with him at quarterback. But if you let me pick, uh, you know, pick players, a little pickup game, and those two are available, I'm picking JJ McCarthy first because I think he brings more to the table, and I think it's just a matter of time before you see how much he brings to the table. Even though at this point it, it may not be as 
sexy as Dugan, I will take J.J. McCarthy. All right, so we got some Buckeyes in here. Oh, here we go. We got some Buckeyes in here. The evil Empire, Sam. We got the Evil Empire. Be careful. Who need to listen better when I talk about the quarterback? You remember when I said that Illinois, that Ohio State couldn't do what Illinois did defensively. They didn't have the personnel to do what Illinois did, right? That isn't saying Ohio State isn't talented. They're very talented. They don't fit what Illinois does. They tried it, got that ass whooped. So when I was talking about C.J. Stroud, I said C.J. Stroud is more talented than Max Duggan. He is a better pro prospect than Max Duggan. Arm talent, ball placement, mobility. But the ball player quotient. Listen. Listen with your ears. Don't talk. Just listen. The ball player quotient, the guy who was able to wheel his team, that's Max Duggan. The guy, the playmaker that put the team on his back in multiple instances, down double digits, on the road, fought back multiple times, won defensive struggles, the whole nine. Al just laid it out, had to win his job back. When C.J. Stroud faced the biggest adversity of his career twice in a row, it wasn't enough bleach to clean his pants. They had to burn him. That's how badly they were streaked. So I'm, I'm sorry. If you don't like to hear the truth, I'm trying to help y'all out. I want the ball. The ball player is going to be tougher for Michigan to deal with. That's not saying C.J. Stroud isn't talented. Get your underwear out a bunch. He's a very talented guy. Are you trying to get him drafted or are you trying to win the game? You trying to get him. You take the guy that again that gets drafted the highest. I'll take the guy that's going to give me the best chance to win the game in college football. How about that? And hell no, I don't want the Lions to draft intangibles. Al, to me, you coached. I've seen plenty of talented quarterbacks, immensely talented quarterbacks, right, that couldn't couldn't throw their way out of an adversity-laden situation. It, it, you know, being blessed with the best arm in the draft didn't didn't work for Ryan Leaf. Didn't work for uh, what's the, what's my man that went to Cal who could throw from his knees through the uprights? Cal Bowler. I mean, we've seen plenty of talented quarterbacks get drafted high in the draft that couldn't bust the great in the NFL because they didn't have the intangibles. So that's what I'm, when I'm talking about ball player, that's why I say it's going to be tougher for Michigan to deal with Max Duggan. I'm not saying CJ Stroud and see the Buckeyes don't listen now. Buckeyes don't listen. Well, now that you've gone under your tirade, which you always do, I'm going to bring this back to a football conversation. I think CJ Stroud has, has got NFL talent. I don't think you're arguing that. If I had a complaint, I mean, if I was coaching C.J. Stroud and get all the BS aside, I would like to see C.J. Stroud run the ball more. And not, 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 not don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about turning him into to Denard Robinson, okay? But he has good legs. I saw him pull a bluff play and ran right by the defense. But I never see that featured because it would add so much more to defending him. And then number two, he's got to prove he can win the 12th game. And I'm not, again, the 12th game being, well, Michigan right now, I'm talking about the 12th game anywhere. It may be in the pros. It may be, um, I don't know, the, the, the Giants against the Redskins for, the, to, for a chance to pull, go to the playoffs. He's got to prove that he can win those games, not just the games where he's blowing people out and he's feeling his oats and the receivers are making spectacular catches and all that. He's got to take that next step. but. Uh, from a skill set perspective, I think he's an NFL talent. 
but there are some things I don't think he uses all the equipment in his shed. Yeah, I, I told you what I think the problem is. Uh, anyway, we also have some Big 12 fans in, in the room that, that are taking offense. They're saying we aren't giving TCU enough credit for the job they did against Texas. They shut Texas down. That's what Greg Lacey has been killing this point all show long. If they shut down Texas and you're disrespecting them and the Big Ten is the second weakest conference in FBS in my mind. And, you know, if they shut Texas down, they're going to be formidable against Michigan. Look, I got respect for their defense. It is my contention watching these games with you and with Vance, who was a Big 12 guy, they haven't seen Texas is not even close to even even close to a reasonable facsimile of what Michigan is going to bring to the table. Yeah, they don't have the same demeanor. That's that's what I'm saying. And I I have complete respect for TCU. I think they got, like I said, I think they got some really good football players. But they're going to be challenged by Michigan in a way they were not by Texas. That's simple. I mean, uh, Michigan is going to force them to play in the box and play four quarters that way. Texas had no intention of doing that. They dabbled in it, but they never really force the issue where Michigan is. And if TCU can stop them, God bless them. Whoever that was that wrote there, they're right and we're wrong. <laughs> but I'm going to have to see that before I believe it. Hey, Malachi, I just had to read this. and said to the Buckeye in the room, he said, Venice, even your daddy, Zach Smith, said he would take Stetson Bennett over him. <laughs> and, and listen, Stetson Bennett, ball player. Stetson Bennett yeah, is a ball, ball. My point, yeah. my sentiment, exactly. JT Daniels more talented quarterback. You know, just arm talent, physical talent, more talented than Stetson Bennett, who quarterbacked him to the championship. When when JT Daniels got healthy, did they go back to JT Daniels or did he stay with the ball player? When they played Michigan and they said, all right, they got some ball players in the in front of seven. They're going to gonna walk their nickel down, who is a beast in the box. Are we just going to try to run into that? Or are we going we gonna to balance the equation? by turning it over to our quarterback and say, hey, hey, young fellow, old fellow, Stetson Bennett, RPO side of this. And Al, he was like a maestro out there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, between his efficiency in the run-pass option game and the coordinator's ability to make timely calls, particularly early in the game, they were, God bless him. I mean, I was I was impressed. I was. And, and when I told you, when we watched him a year ago, usually I put the Michigan offense on first when I watch – the game after the game, it's first time all year. I put the George offense on first because I thought it was really, really well done and really well executed. I was impressed by what they did. Here's one from John Jonides who says, Sam, Al, who do you think could be an impact offensive player? Not name McCarthy or Edwards. I have mine. Who, who are you going with Al? Ronnie Bell and possibly Loveland. Those two jump out at me right away. Now that, now that being said, uh, Cornelius Johnson has come to the surface here of late, and I think don't be surprised with his range and speed that he isn't a factor in this game. But the I think Ronnie Bell is kind of the guy laying in the weeds a little bit, and I think he could be a huge factor, and he could be used inside. You know, he he doesn't always have to play out on those those really good cover corners. Uh, and Loveland, you know, Loveland because uh, he continues to develop. Uh, game in and game out now in two games he's made two big plays and I think uh, he brings something to the table he's not going to be drawing great coverage so uh, they're going to have to account for him 
uh, but those are the names I think about uh, right off the top. Yeah. Um, you know, Greg Lacey's still in the, in the mix talking about uh, the, 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 the Texas game and then being shut down. Vance brought up a great point. It was Quinn Ewers' first game back. Why are you throwing 39 passes his first game back? And you got, you're supposed to have the best running back in the country. You run them 12 times. It's just, that's just another example of how it's not the same. Well, again, Sam, you said the key point earlier is, is I understand 39 passes if the game is out of hand, but you says it's a one score game, right? They lost 17 to 10. That's my point is uh, that's a game where you can work that running back. And, and, and just by example, I promise you, if that was the case with Michigan, that Blake Corum, if he's played in that game, would have had more than 12 carries. Hell no yeah. doubt in my mind. They may have lost. I don't know, but he, he would have carried the ball more. Quarter, man. Come on. Yeah. That's my point is, is they don't call offense like that. If you've studied Steve, Steve Sarkeesian, and I've seen him at SC, at Washington, at Alabama, everywhere, I've watched closely, he doesn't call offense like Michigan calls offense. He doesn't think that way. He thinks run pass, run pass, run pass, mix. You know, he's not a pound you kind of guy. He's a trick you guy. Well, to, to a degree, yeah. I think there's there's a lot of nuance in their offense week to week, and I love it. I love that stuff, but there still has to be a core that you got to go back to that allows physicality for your offensive line. Here's an interesting question. I get it. I get why it's being asked. Mike Miller says, why do we not see the 3-3-5 base in the NFL? Well, they'll get the ball run down their throat. That's why you can't, you can't do it in the NFL because – they are a tight end league. They are still a tight end league. They are not. They are not a college team that they have their spread plays and they even have RPOs. That they still play with tight ends. Almost every team you watch the Detroit Lions, you watch the San Francisco 49ers, you watch the 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 Vikings. All the teams that are really doing well, and even some that aren't, still feature tight ends. And it's just difficult that that off that defense is much the way they play it is much better built. I think. To uh, handle uh, to handle spread groups. Now, Rocky Long runs a three three five, and the way he plays it is different than the way TCU does, and handles tight end teams much better. Yeah. But the, again, that conference just doesn't see a lot of that. So, all right, it's game plan time, Al. You've watched every TCU game. You've picked out you've picked out plays that have worked against them that are on Michigan's menu of plays and you've, you've done a million game plans. I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. So some good plan, ones, some bad ones, Sam. game plan, this one for me, Michigan TCU build it. Well, from a run game perspective is where everything has to start with Michigan. I mean, you're there. That's the kind of team they are. You don't see a ton of duo plays on video. That doesn't matter. Okay, Colorado, Oklahoma State, and Kansas all showed that play. But for us at Michigan, if I'm the coach, we are running that play, and my goal is to get anywhere from 13 to 15 run by the end of the game. Variations, duos from double wings, shift to double wings, bunch, short motion the Z, shift over the wing, shift them back again, put a guy in the backfield, run a duo kick, put a guy on the edge, run a duo kick. But somehow, some way, get to that play 
a lot of ways and make them prove they can stop it because that is our bread and butter. And I don't much give a rip if anybody in that conference ever ran the play. We're running that play, okay? Number two is I'd have a power play. Now, how much we ran the power play, I don't know. But it may get two or three shots, maybe four in a game if they're struggling with it. It's a play they run. It's a hardball play that he's kind of hung his hat on over the years. But I would say that has to be in there somewhere, okay? When they have run it, the play's been good. Counter. The counter, and then again, in this game, Sam, the OT counter to me is the play. Now, Michigan has run variations of counters. We've seen it, right, with the center pulling, the guard pulling, the backside tackle pulling, the H pulling, the fullback pulling. But the play that shows up best in a play that Michigan has run is the OT play. That's, I think, you're going to get that. And not just handing the ball to Donovan Edwards, but also giving J.J. McCarthy a chance to go run it himself, either with reading action like you've seen in the past or just a pure plus-one counter OT play where he can take the ball. Horns, horns, pin and pulls, okay? Uh, right in the wheelhouse. Works works good. It shows up on the videos. Like I said, uh, Baylor ran the pin and pull. West Virginia ran the pin and pull. It shows up. I think you're going to see some of that. I think you're going to see one with added gaps where they've got wings running in behind those guys, pulling people. And again, the same deal. You may want to run that and then have your quarterback fake a little fly action, and he run a, a pin and pull. But it shows up on their videos, and I think it's got to be what I would say anywhere from a five to seven times a game. Again, if the game's in, in line, it's not out of whack. Uh, I'd like to say think you're going to run between five and seven horn plays before it's over. Another play we didn't mention, but it shows up, is the open side zone. The open side zone, the play you saw Donovan Edwards hit against Ohio State for two long runs. Okay, but the way it works against these guys a little different. The way it works against these guys is because of their three, four defense, and they usually have a player outside your tackle. The most team are lining up with a tight end on the backside, running the open side zone, and then winding the ball back in behind the tight end. That showed up against SMU. That showed up against Baylor. That showed up against Texas. It was one of the few run, runs Texas actually ran pretty good. So I think open zone right in their wheelhouse, something they do well. I think okay. that's okay. Back inside the tight end, you said. Yeah. Usually what happened, he would push it to, to the open side, move the defense. They would cave down the backside because usually there was a five over there where the, the tight end and the tackle could double to the inside linebacker. The ha- overhang was free. He was unblocked. It didn't matter. The back would cut inside him, and he'd either miss him or he'd have, you know, seven to ten yards before the guy could get him down. So that, that, play, that play showed up. There's no question about it. Now, the other thing, do you want to, and again, this is, you know, this is a coordinator call. Do you want to test the stretch play? I think I'd have it. I think I'd have it. I'd maybe get into pistol, get into under center stretch plays, run it in behind the tight end, expecting it to probably come back because that's what it's done. But it has been a play that people have shown some vulnerability, that they have shown a vulnerability to. And it is a play Michigan has, although they don't necessarily major in that play. So, I think that, too, would be a, a good approach in this game. Now, after you got that, you got your five or six you're running, right? We talked about them. You got your five or six you're running. Now, you got as a coordinator, you got to decide, all right, man, they show some vulnerability to some other stuff. How or do we want to exploit? How will we or do we even want to exploit 
the vulnerability they showed against other teams. Other plays that you can run is you can run the open side pinnable. That shows up against several opponents where they can pin that four, pull those guards, whether do it in a U-turn fashion or just pull them around the edge. You know that's a soft edge. Uh, Vance is right. <laughs> he hit the nail on the head on that one. There's a soft edge on the open side of the formation. And I think that that's got a real chance. They ran an interesting play. Baylor run was a dual play to a wing and pulled the tackle around. He used counteraction. And I thought that was a, had a big run on that. I mean, uh, everything was blocked dual and the tackle pulled actually ended up being kind of a dual kick, if you will, with the tackle doing the kick. And I thought that was a nice variation. Um, Baylor also ran what we call a wham play. Now, I don't know if you know what a wham play is, but Michigan, well, Harbaugh has run this play in the past. I'd be a little surprised if they ran it, but you never know. Where you can take your your split zone guy, the guy that usually does a split zone, uh-huh. and knock out the nose guard. He will come inside the center, who will block back, and you load that nose guard, and everybody else just zone block. And Baylor ran that a couple times, and it worked both times they ran it. So these are all things you just got to decide. Do you have time, and do you want, to sacrifice a couple more duo plays to run these plays because that's really what could happen, right? Mm-hmm. And the last one, uh, again, this is not one they run much, but and it's, it's in the pin and pull family, okay? And that's the crack pitch where you can offset and shotgun if you want and pitch the ball to the guy, pin the front side, pull your guard and tackle or whoever you want and just run the ball around the edge because that play also showed up from several opponents. So you got all the ones you do and you're going to do, and they know you're going to do. They're not sure exactly how you're going to do them, but they know you're going to do them. And that is not going to dissuade anybody from doing them because they're going to do it. And it, I think it just be, becomes a matter of, of, uh, of seeing what else you want to toss in there to, to test the water on a little bit, or maybe you saw something on the tape that you want to be creative. That, that might even be that they didn't see, yeah, you know, that, that happens too. So. I try to get in the heads of you coaches a little bit. I just think we're going to see that Utah. It was too effective for Baylor to not see some variation of that. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't U-turn on a pin and pull. Maybe they just. We only saw that that counter reverse once this season. It was a touchdown. It was wide open against another fast flowing team. Trigger hard on on counter. This is a team that it feels like you can get that way. So maybe you don't. Maybe you don't you turn a pin and pull. Maybe you you turn a, a counter reverse and you hit them that way, misdirection them that way. You mentioned duo. I think we saw it one time maybe this season, but I watched and you watched. You remember you remember the Bears bluffed a duo kick against the Lions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. Jeff Fields pulled it out and ran for a touchdown. Pulled it out, ran for a touchdown. Al, yeah. it's in the playbook. Yeah, that. Oh God, that would be a good one. It's in the play. I'm going to tell you who ran that one, Sam. I didn't mention this, but the, but uh, Kansas quarterback ran that play. He ran the play against them. The duo read with a bluff play. Mm-hmm. They, were, they ran it. I, I didn't it. mention that part either. Yeah. And my, my last one is a play action. I mentioned this earlier. Somebody asked, who, who's your guy other than other than J.J. or Donovan? Colston Lovell. Mm-hmm. A play action shot or two to Colston Lovell. I mean, number 28. And their safety sniff run so hard that it just feels like there's going to be a shot play, whether it be a seam or a wheel, there's going to be an opportunity for your tight ends. He is their best downfield threat 
at tight end. And I think we're going to see him go three for three in the last three games with a downfield shot that he hauls in for a touchdown. Oh, well, they're going to try it. <laughs> it's, it may, it may not, but you're going to see it. I mean, they're not stupid. They know what they got, and they know what that guy's uh, produced of late. So I think you got to feed a hot hand, and I think he is a hot hand. And he's a guy that may catch four or five passes in this game. Who knows? You know, so I, I like him, and I think he fits their personnel. He's going to be on the field in a lot of groupings where he's not catching passes, right? So naturally, they're going to think when big bodies come out there, there's a hell of a lot more chance of a run than a pass, and that's when they become vulnerable. All right. Hey, so, you know, it's fine. I haven't seen many Buckeyes, and as many as I was seeing before the game. So I hopefully, hopefully there's some Buckeyes that come back with some with some energy, provided they beat Georgia, which I, I want your opinion on that on the way out. Al, and then same thing with Greg Lacey, big TCU fan. He's all over the comments talking about we are giving TCU respect. We gave him plenty of respect. Gave Max Duggan plenty of respect. I just happen to think they're going to get beat. If they do, come back with the same energy, Greg. Come back with the same energy. Because if if Michigan loses, we'll come back. We talk about it. We're here, win, lose, or draw. So just if they win, if Michigan wins, come back. I want to see this same thing. So Al, two on the way out. Winner and score, <coughs> excuse me, winner and score of Michigan TCU. And then how do you see Ohio State, Georgia playing out? Uh, Michigan, I, I'm going to pick Michigan to beat TCU uh, 35 to 20. 21, right in there, I would say. 35-21. And I'm pulling that out of my butt, but I'd say that's that's reasonable. I think they can get 35 points on them, and I think they can hold them to 21. Uh, if they can, again, minimize the damage in their passing game more than anything. Uh, <laughs> I have been sneaking in looks at Georgia. <laughs> I admit it, okay? I have been looking more at Georgia's offense than their defense, Okay. Uh, Georgia is one of those teams that they're like Michigan. They make you defend more gaps. They play with a lot of tight ends. Uh, and Ohio State didn't handle that real well, okay? And Georgia's very talented, very talented. They got a couple of a big, huge tight end that's bigger than a house, and they got one that's great athlete. I just think uh, – with their quarterback playing the way the quarterback's been playing, their experience being a national champion, I think that uh, Ohio State will get about the 24 points on them, you know, but I think Georgia will score over 40 points on on Ohio State. I would, I would predict, I don't know, 41 to 27. How's that? That sound good? 28. 28 is a better word. 41 28. And I'm not sure they can get 28 on them because their defense is pretty damn good. But I have not looked as much at Georgia's defense as I will in, if we get into that game and as, as much as I have in the past. I, I've been looking at their offense, but uh, that'll be interesting. All right. I'm anxious to watch, Sam. Yeah, we gave you guys overtime. We gave you plenty of overtime. So that's your full-scale preview. You got the offensive, break, the offensive breakdown now to go along with the defensive breakdown. I think you have the most accurate preview of this game that can be found anywhere. I challenge you to find expertise that's going over all the opponents' games the way that Al Borges and Vance Bedford have. So we'll be back next week to break down the X's and O's with telestrations, the film study. You know how we do it. 
Monday the bitter and the sweet, Sam. The bitter and the sweet. Monday morning quarterback coming back next week as well. You know, Devin will be ready to break it down. So, folks, if you like these videos, if you like this series, be sure to like the actual video on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the channel so you get a notification every time we put up a new video. If you're listening to this on the podcast page, like and subscribe over there. Tell all your friends about it and get it on Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. And then tell them about the MichiganInsider.com. The great deal that's going on right now, 50% off an annual subscription, only a little while longer. And just as we head into another hot recruiting period, two big-time prospects, of course, Nick Harbour being the biggest one. The Wolverines are still in play for. You got wall-to-wall playoff coverage. You you got the uh, you know, you, you got the championship game, provided Michigan makes it there. You got winter recruiting into spring ball, the whole nine. 50% off an annual subscription right now over on the MichiganInsider.com. Be sure to check it out. Until next time, folks, thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown, preview style, looking at TCU. We'll see you next week. Go Blue!